Good evening, everyone. Um, welcome to uh, a special edition of NoCo Live. We have decided to uh, set aside the normal silliness that we do here on Monday nights because, frankly, there's something that needs to be talked about that's much more important. Um, you know, if if you've paid attention to any news or social media at all. I don't have to re-explain the situation um, that happened to George Floyd and the protests and riots that have ignited not only all over the country, but throughout the world. And so tonight, um, the reason we're doing this show is to uh, provide a platform to talk about those issues um, with people of color so that people of non-color like myself can um, learn a bit um, and hopefully start the conversation toward where we go from here and how we get there. Because I don't have any answers for anybody. Um, the entire world seems to be hurting and on fire right now. And it's our responsibility to foster that communication, um, to learn more about each other so that we can become better humans. Um, so with me, um, is my co-host and my partner in this endeavor, Charles Joseph Kelly. He's there. His microphone is muted, but he's waving hello. No, um, my microphone's not muted. I'm just being quiet. He's, he's being quiet. I have a little bit of buzz issue with his microphone, but we'll soldier on. Uh, Kevcat Martinez, our other co-host, is actually on assignment um, covering the protests that are going on in Denver right now like as we speak. So um, all our best love to them. We hope you stay safe. Um, but I have instructed them to call me if they get arrested. So we'll see what happens. Um, but we also have some guests um, joining us tonight. Um, Charles, would you like to introduce our guests? Sure. Okay. I was not prepared to do this, but let's let's get this going. So um, with me, uh, with us here today are, uh, are these two amazing women that I have worked with uh, on uh, multiple different projects. We've got to my two, next to me in this in this video, we've got Sydney Johnson. Uh, Sydney Johnson is the general manager of Moe's Barbecue here in Fort Collins, Colorado, and is uh, my co-host for Talk and Roll. Up in the corner up here, we've got Tara Ray, who goes by uh, the, her drag name Zamora May. Uh, she's an incredible performer here in uh, Northern Colorado, specifically in the Greeley area, is a biology student at UNC uh, and is an advocate for the LGBTQIA plus community. So um, yeah. Yeah, thank, thank you both for joining us. I. You, we've been talking for days off air about what we were going to do tonight, and we knew that we wanted to talk about this, but we also knew that, uh, you know, we weren't the really we weren't really the ones qualified to do it. So, um, Tara, we'll start with you. Like, how are how are you feeling right now about everything that's going on? What's your sense of everything that's happening right now? Yeah, um, you know, it's kind of a general feeling of exhaustion. Um, because this is not the first time this has happened. This is not a freak accident. This is not something that has not happened before. Uh, this has been happening 
my whole life, my dad's whole life, my mom's whole life. And so as a black person, I just feel exhausted. I feel like black people have been sort of begging for people to see us as people for hundreds of years and it still hasn't happened. Um, so right now I'm just feeling exhausted. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> I can, I can relate to that to a point because just watching the news coverage about what's going on in cities all over the world. Um, and, and even here in our backyard, you know, there, there were two protests going on in Fort Collins today that I know of. Um, mm-hmm. one was in front of the police services building, which is right down the street from our studio here. And you know, it's, it's something to take in. And there, there are some people who thought, oh, it's just, you know, it's another, it's another thing that's going to blow over. But this feels different to me. Mm. This feels mm-hmm. like something where we've hit a breaking point as a nation, mm. uh, as a community, and, you know, mm-hmm. are, are standing up to say, we're not okay with this. This is not okay. This is, this was never okay. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's going to be a turning point, I feel, um, for the community. Sydney, how are, how is all this landing with you? I'm just really disappointed that there are people in this community that I love so much who share views that I, I don't know, I guess I live in my own little bubble a little bit where obviously I know these things still exist, but I really had higher hopes for our community. And these are the things my parents, um, as a biracial couple in the 70s, fought so that I wouldn't have to experience these things. And mm-hmm. and for me, I mean, being biracial, um, physically people can look at me and they're not going to know that I'm half black. So I have, I don't know, I don't want to say like an advantage because it's not, it's still who I am, but... I'm not facing the same thing that my dad's going to face just being out in public. Like I am, he likes to play Pokemon go. He likes to play those games. And I am scared for him as a black man wandering around by himself at night and in parks. And I just, I had higher hopes for this community. It's, it's a scary thing. And and we're going to try as hard as we can for this not to be political because I personally, I don't know about, you too, but I, I don't see it as a political issue. I see it as mm-hmm. a civil rights issue and a mm-hmm. human rights mm-hmm. issue. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's something about our culture, especially in the last four years, that has emboldened people um, with deep, deeply held racist views to feel empowered, you know, where some of this has come out of the woodwork. and. Honestly, up until probably 10 years ago, I thought that racism in general was something that we eliminated in the 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, I read about it. I knew all about civil rights. I read a lot of Dr. King's speeches. Uh, I read stuff from Malcolm X. And I thought, my God, like, it's amazing what those people did to advance the lives of, of that community. And until these these killings of unarmed black people in the hands of police started happening. I honestly didn't think that it was as bad of an issue. And, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know mm-hmm. that it's necessarily gotten worse. I think that people are just are now unafraid to show it 
And that's mm -hmm. truly what's scary because that means that these these you know bigots have been you know hiding in the woodwork and now feel mm -hmm. like they can come out. Um, specifically about George Floyd, do you do you believe as I do that there's there's something different about this that seems to be more of a turning point? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think. I think in the past month, there's been, I think, four or five unarmed black people murdered by the police. I think this is sort of a tipping point. It's, we've had enough and we've tried to be peaceful, um, but it seems like we're not being heard. And so I feel like that's why rioting is happening because, you know, it's the language of the oppressed, as uh, Dr. King said. And so, I, I just feel like it is different. Um, I think it feels more intentional because of how George Floyd died. Um, this person was on his neck for nine minutes, I believe. It's not a gunshot. Yeah. That can be an accident. This person was intentionally trying to kill him and, and succeeded. Yeah. You know? And I, I rewatched, well, uh, up until today, I hadn't seen the video in its entirety. I had only mm -hmm. seen clips of it, but I thought that in preparation for this show, mm -hmm. I should watch the entire thing. And what's terrifying about it is it's not like this happened in a secluded area where nobody noticed. This was on a busy street in downtown Minneapolis with tons of people watching telling the cops you're hurting him he can't breathe mm -hmm. and the cops not doing anything in fact trying to keep people away from him so that they couldn't assist him even it, what i didn't realize until i watched the full video today was that after about four minutes of the eight and eight minutes and change that he had a cop on his neck. He was unresponsive. Halfway through, he stopped responding. Yet this cop still saw fit to keep his knee on the dude's fucking neck when it was clear he was unconscious. Mm -hmm. I can't even fathom that kind of a disregard. I'm just, it, it's hard to even have words because it's mm. so horrifying that it's just, but I do, I think one of the turning points with this is it was so public. It was so intentional. And I think at this point in history there, my mom calls it kind of the law and order generation where a lot of people like have been able to turn a blind eye because there wasn't video evidence and people being able, like seeing this for the first time and realizing how terrible and how it's just, it is happening. It's not people mm -hmm. lying and telling stories. They're the other people are outraged for the community. Absolutely. And like something else I want to point out is that with social media coming around and sort of being a bigger thing and people having cameras everywhere, um, it's being shown more. It's not happening any more than it has before. Um, you know, one of my dad's best friends was murdered by a cop. And so um, to think that 
this has been going on for so long and that people outside of the community are just now privy to it. Um, kind of is just like a like show of like like privilege kind of because people didn't know that this was happening 10, 20 years ago, but it was, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been happening in some way or another for 400 years. I, I was reading CNN this morning and they pointed out that today, June 1st is the 99th anniversary to the day of the Tulsa massacre that happened in 1921 where an entirely or almost entirely black owned business district was burned to the ground by racists and uh, as up to potentially up to 300 people killed simply because the white people in the community felt threatened by such a large black presence. Yep. Uh, someone in the chat, uh, Karen PG official says, or they knew it and just ignored it because of their racial bias. Um, and that's one that's one question I have when we talk about how to respond to this is for each of you, what do you see as um, trying to figure out how to phrase this? I'm not reading from a prepared list of questions. Um, What's where where does someone draw the line between oh I'm not racist I just don't really care or y- you know those people who are like you know are, are generally good people but probably wouldn't speak out against the injustices mm. that are going on like as as African American people like how does that land with you For me if you're not defending me if you're not advocating and standing side by side with me, you're not for me, you know? Um, I feel like by purposely saying, oh, this doesn't affect me, I don't care, you're saying, all right, it's not gonna happen to my kids, it's not gonna happen to the people I care about, I don't care about you. That's what I'm hearing when I hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in my opinion, people who just don't care are just as bad as plain out racist in my opinion, because you're not saying anything is you allowing that stuff to happen. If you ask me, that's just for me. Mm -hmm. No, I agree completely with that. It's, this is the time where people who it's not going to directly affect can use that voice to stop it. And if they're not willing to do that, then it, it is, it's just letting it happen knowingly letting these things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was talking to a friend of mine earlier today and he said, you know, what can I do? He he was specifically talking about his uh his father-in-law who's an older white gentleman, you know, very traditional, which let's just say very racist. Um mm-hmm. and explicitly speaks out against blacks against lgbtqia people um and Mm -hmm. his his question to me was well what do i say to him i don't want to rock the boat and i said no that's the boat that needs to be rocked you need to tell him in no uncertain terms that that's not okay Mm -hmm. absolutely i'm I'm curious sydney because like for you like unless someone knows you well like i didn't know you were biracial until you told me 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's not something that someone just looking at you would necessarily guess. So do you find yourself in kind of a rarefied position where people might speak more openly about their racial biases, not realizing your ethnicity? Oh, absolutely. It happens, unfortunately, frequently, even while I'm at work, people just, they feel, I don't know, safe because they look at me and they're like, oh, here's another white person. And they just start running their mouth or they'll say something insensitive about another customer or another coworker. And it is, it takes me by, like, especially at work, it does. It takes me by surprise. I'm not ready for that. But I've had to call out a lot of people. I mean, three years ago, I had somebody ask me like, oh, hey, where's the colored girl who works here? Like, I, <laughs> and I, it, yeah, ex- that was my reaction. I had to be like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> like what? Unreal. It is 2017. And like in a public restaurant, like in to me, but yeah, they just, people seem to op- speak a little bit more openly, but I do kind of like it because then I'm able to actually call people out because those things that they might censor themselves because they know what they're saying is wrong. Right. I can call them out on it. So when that customer said that, what was your response? I was just like, yeah, people don't say that anymore. Um, And and actually, after a couple more incidents kind of similar to that, we 86 him from the restaurant. Around the same time, he got fired for his job for also being racist and sexist. (laughs) So couldn't it happen to a nicer person? Like no. <laughs> and like we we have to be careful with like Schadenfreude, but like people that gets into a territory where people say like, "Oh, I have free speech." It's like, yeah, you can say whatever you want, but that doesn't mean you have freedom from consequence. That doesn't mean exactly. someone can't hold you accountable for what mm-hmm. you're saying or how you're acting. Mhm. I don't know if anybody's been following the situation with the um, Pooter High School student who posted an atrocious Instagram picture. Mm-hmm. I read but, about that yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. um, PSD made an official statement about it. And the amount of comments from people who were just like, I don't see why hate speech is banned, but censorship is okay. Like they view not being able to be offensive as they're being censored and their rights are being taken away. And I'm like, pe- black people are literally being murdered right now. <laughs> yeah. You- That's something I will never understand is the debate about censorship. I feel like if you're hurting someone, shut up. How is that hard to get? Now, a lot of people in general have a, have a very misplaced idea of what censorship means. Because the, the right to free speech simply means that the government can't limit what you say. It says nothing about the right of private businesses or private citizens giving you consequences for those things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, in the chat, A3KCM says, before a lot of this, I thought racism was very far gone. Hawaii is a little less racist than everywhere else, perhaps. Why can't people just live as people? That's a great question for which I, I don't have an answer. I, yeah, I feel like that's the question we're all asking right now. Um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. That's the goal, isn't it? For for 
for those of us who are not of color, how, what's the best way for us to be allies? Like, what's the best way for us to stand with you and, and show our support, not only by words, but by deeds? Like, what, how do we do that? Absolutely. Um, so right now, something you can do if you're at the protest, if you're going to the protest, if a black person is being interacted with by a police officer, interrupt, get in the way, stand in between them and the officer. You, the fact that we've seen this on social media, white people will stand in front of black people and no one gets shot. No one gets shot at, no one gets maced, nothing. But if it's just black people or just brown people, it's a different story. That's something you can do. Um, With all these protests as well, you can donate money to bail funds, um, donate money to, um, you know, organizations that are about bettering the black community. That's what I think would be best. Volunteering your time with black kids, things like that. That's stuff I really think that, um, you know, people who are white should be doing. Mm-hmm. Some of the things think? that I've, Go ahead. Um, another just big thing is just listen, try mm. and understand that you can't understand, but just listen and believe. And even if you're just, if you can't physically be at a rally, you can be emotional to su- support. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we, are, we are joined by our other special guest who we, we, we cannot see you, but we can hear you. Um, Ijoma Ono Joju, uh, who uh, hosts another show on our network called du- Two Dudes and a Chick. Um, welcome, Ijoma. Thanks for joining us. Can you hear us? <laughs> maybe some audio trouble there but hopefully hopefully he can join in um Ijoma, we can't hear you if you can hear us um what is the how do we move the needle how how does how does change get affected i think that you know, obviously the, these protests are are putting action where words have failed. But like, how do we move the needle on this? What are the actions that we as people need to take to get rid of this problem? Can you hear me? Oh yeah, we yeah. can hear you. Oh hey, how's it going, Ajama? I'm assuming that's enough. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, Tara, that question to you, what, what, uh, how do we start moving the needle forward? How do we start making progress? Yeah. Um, I think putting your money where your mouth is with your vote is huge. How about now? Um, uh, (laughs) okay. You guys still not hear me? No, we can, we can hear you, Ajoma. Can you hear us? Okay. Yeah. You're cutting in and out, man. I'm sorry. You're you're cutting in and out. Uh, uh, that was my bad. 
<laughs> no worries. It happens. I mean, that's that's live shows in, in a nutshell. Everything always goes crazy. Can you hear us? All right, how about now? <laughs> yeah, we can hear you. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear okay. you. So, hey, um, so I've been listening for a little while now. I think I have radically different views from my other t- uh, guests online. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of that last question that you asked, like, well, first, let me go back to the question prior to that or the statement prior to that what the person said. Sure. Um, until now, they didn't know that racism still existed. Uh, and for me, that's that's like the whole problem. Right. And that's why I say if you are anything but black in this moment, you don't even need to be outside. Right. Like, don't even be a part of the conversation. Don't be a part of the protest because it is white ignorance and on top of white ignorance is white fragility that I feel like, feel like really hijacks the movement and turns it into something that is not meant to be, right? And so, uh, like my daughter said, don't be silent in terms of if you see people who are, who are uh, protesting injustice, right? Like, don't act like you didn't know that injustice existed. Um, but at the same hand, like, I feel like we should be fighting our own fight. Uh, and it, it really upsets me when I look at the protests and I see how the protests are turning into rioting and looting. And I see non-black folks who are leading the riots and the looting. But I know at the end of the day, that's going to all be attributed to black folks, right? And so it's like, nah, we're not the authors and creators of this. But folks who are not black are now coming into, you know, what I'm saying our fight, our struggle. They're creating issues. They're creating problems. And that's going to all end up being on the shoulders of black folks, which is only going to set us back even more. So um, that's that's really, again, it's just my opinion. I respect, you know, what has been said so far as I've been listening in. But I think, you know, the conversation is going vastly in the wrong direction. That's that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean about the 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 people who are looting and and becoming violent. Obviously there's no place for that. And I've I've been reading reports that a lot of the people who are doing the the looting and the property destruction um, are white opportunists who are not really involved in the protests and who are just being violent for the sake of uh, creating more discord between the white and black communities. So, so, so it's your position that, like, for example, I should not go to a protest because I, because my voice is not the one that needs to be heard. Do, do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, no, like, so, you know, I, I like what, what you all are doing tonight, which is let's have a conversation. Uh, let's have a conversation uh, because we know what our audience majority is and we know that they need to hear a conversation like this. But should you be at the protest? Like I would say, nah, because when, you be, when you're at the protest, to me, you become distracted, right? And, sure. and, and the narrative begins to change to something that, is, that it shouldn't be changed to. So, I mean, that's again, that's just my personal opinion on it. Uh, I feel like we keep trying to say that the protests are about George Floyd, but we keep trying to say that because the narrative has changed, right? Like it's no longer about protests. It's about looting. It's about rioting. It's about the damage and the destruction that is taking place. It's not about the death of a black man. 
to the point where we had the president come out today instead of keep in mind he did not make a formal overture like this when george floyd died he did not make a formal overture like this when ahmaud arbery died but he's now talking about in a formal overture like hey law and order we need to have law and order we need to put these people in check so the conversation is not even about george floyd anymore the conversation is about something completely different, which 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 means to me at the end of the day that whatever we're trying to get in terms of justice for George Floyd, that's that's going to go by the way. So keep in mind, this president has done this before. He did this with Colin Kaepernick when Colin Kaepernick tried to tell us three years ago before we have even more deaths. Let's get this nipped in the bud. And what did the president do? He turned it into a uh, uh uh, like you're not pledging allegiance to your country, you're yeah. not uh, about your country's pride, right? You are martyring the names of all the. He changed the narrative on us, and, and so we have to keep those types of things. That's why I say you got to be very careful in these situations on what you do and who you invite to do it alongside of you. And, and that was, yeah, I, I, I saw that press conference. And, and what was scary about that, too, was that there were about a thousand people peacefully demonstrating outside the White House. And those people had rubber bullets and tear gas turned on them so that the president could uh, do a photo op in front of one of the churches that had been partially damaged due to the riots. And and he's 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 over militarizing a situation that's already dangerous and scary for the people who are out there. Keep in mind, uh, a week ago, literally a week ago, you had white folks who were all around the country doing the same exact things, walking around with guns and AKs strapped to their chest and strapped to their back, protesting the fact that governors for the safety of America and for the safety of their citizens shut their shut their respect the states down did not have him come out talking about we need to stop completely i didn't know racism still existed like really let let a group of black folks show up at any one of these state capitals with guns strapped to their back and see if we'd be having a conversation that we haven't like the like folks who were trying to say, like, let's get rid of the quarantine was doing, right? Yeah. So, so because of that, you have to be very careful about who who gets to speak in front of, of the crowd, right? Like that's why Malcolm X said uh, before he died, "Hey, look, white folks can be a part of this; they just can't be the drivers of the movement." And I feel like when you're out there protesting on the front lines, you're trying to be a driver instead of trying to be an ally. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and gonna, go ahead, Tara. I'm so sorry. I'm going to interject there. I completely disagree. I feel like white people were a part of the civil rights movement in the first place. Without white people in this movement, we don't get anywhere. Because at the end of the day, I would other say white that was a, are, and I would say that's why we're still in the same. Yeah, and I would say that's what we still in the same situation that we're in, right? It's because we let white folks be a part of the civil rights movement. So the civil rights movement was to secure the rights of African Americans who have been marginalized by the country. And every other minority group has taken advantage of those civil rights laws 
except for black folks. We are still in the back of the line compared to everybody else. And that's because we let folks have a voice in that movement that shouldn't have never had a voice. I, I get what you're saying in terms of white folks help make that movement effective, but they did not make it effective people because I think that has a lot more to do with colorism and other things than necessarily what I think the point you're getting at is. I absolutely do believe that there are certain white people at these protests making this about looting and about violence and et cetera, et cetera. Also, we have to realize that looting is very much, looting and all of this is very much a part of you know, the struggle. Um, in, I think, 1968, um, there were riots after Martin Luther died. And then three days later, I believe, three to six, five, six, six days later, uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1968 was passed or introduced. So the point is um, that I think that, yes, destroying property is bad, but it's not worse than taking a black life. That's, that's my thing. And then two, I feel as though allyship is not behind a keyboard. I don't feel like allyship is about you just, you know, to your racist grandpa. Don't do that. That's not enough. You need to get up and do something. I think performative sort of allyship is why we're in this in the first place. People saying, oh, I can't be racist. I have a black friend is why we're in this. You know, I don't think it's about, you know, telling people to sit on the sidelines. The more bodies we have, the more people are paying attention, especially white bodies, because we all know that in America, black bodies are valued less. And that's why we're here. Yeah. See, every time, look, I, I, I get where you're coming from and I definitely, uh, respect your opinion, but black people have depended all their lives on a white person to help bail them out. And I feel like asking white folks to be allies in this movement is nothing but asking for a white bailout, right? When are we going to empower ourselves to uh, create change ourselves without having to depend on white folks to help us out? Because again, when white folks be, get involved, all of a sudden, they ignorance and they fragility begin to take over the conversation. Now, when I'm having a conversation with a white friend about how they can be an ally in this, I gotta I gotta listen to them cry and complain about how they didn't know white people were like this, and they didn't know the system was like this, and they didn't know the privilege that they have, and they're gonna do everything in their power to make sure that they reject their privilege and to teach all their white. But I ain't got time for all that. I really don't. I really don't have no time for all that. Just sit down, shut up, and let me do this myself. You know what I mean? Like, let me empower myself to to take control of this movement. And whatever happens from there, happens from there. But as long as I continue to rely on you and your allyship, ain't nothing happening. What what, what you're talking about? We've been doing for the last hundred years, and we're still here. Like we literally, what you're talking about, we literally have been doing for the last hundred years, and nothing has changed. They still lynching black men. So if I continue to do what you're saying to do, my grandchildren and my great grandchildren are going to continue to get lynched because we continue to keep saying like white allyship is important to the movement. It's not. It really is not. Okay. So my question for you is who is the system set up to, 
who is the system set up for, right? It's set up for heterosexual, cisgender, white men to succeed in the system, right? So if we know that those people have louder voices than us in this system, why are we excluding them from giving us help? I don't understand the idea of trying to empower ourselves. That's what we've been doing. That's what, that's what being black is. It's about empowering yourself every day to go out into the streets and willfully say, I could die today because a cop's having a bad day. That's what being black is. So for me, I feel like you need, you need, if you are Latin, if you are Asian, you are white, if you are anything other than black, you need to be speaking up for the black community because at this point there's anti-blackness in every community. Every single one. And it's up to those communities to root it out. It's not my job to go up to every racist white person and call them out. That's not safe for me. Sydney, what do you think? I agree that we need uh, everybody to participate, just not white folks. Like that, that's all I'm saying. Like I'm not disagreeing that the Asian man, the Mexican man, the Hispanic man. Like I'm not agreeing that those folks need to participate. I'm just saying like white folks need to stay at home because you created this system. So if you help me in trying to tear the system down, like it's it's called self-preservation for a reason, which means that if you created this system to benefit you, the system is going to try to protect itself from you tearing it down, right? And, 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 and the more you help me, it's going to end up helping you in the, in the long run. So, no, I, I don't need your because for one, I can't use your strategies to try to tear down a system that you created. I need to use strategies that you're unaware of. That's why the, the Vietnam War was so effective. It wasn't just that uh, America was in a, a place that it didn't know. It was that they were using tactics that we were unaware of. So so the minute you bring them into the fold and you start saying, okay, help us out, teach us some of your tactics. Let's be an ally in this. Let's fight together, man. Look where we at. You know what I'm saying? So again, I, I look, I, there's more than one way of skinning a cat. And I appreciate, you know what I'm saying? That other folks have a very different opinion. I'm just looking at it from a position of a, of a dark skinned 300 pound black man who has seen that whatever we have been doing is not working period so we so my answer is let's go back to marcus garvey let's go back to malcolm s because it seemed like in those moments we were able to get a certain sense of empowerment that we aren't getting with the malcolm martin luther kings the uh jesse jacksons and the barack obamas right they play Caden and they want allyship too much and allyship ain't helping us out so I've got a quick question. Um, Tara brought up a good point. Um, and I, I just want to just ask you this question real quick. Um, because I, th- there was a question asked about how we can root out that racism uh, within our community. So uh, how, how do you feel that that can be something that we can achieve uh, since within, within the white community ourselves? For me, I think the first step is just recognizing that there is racism and that folks is racist. Uh, This post-racial, colorblind, like, that is a myth. I've never met somebody that didn't know I was black when they seen me. 
You know what I mean? So when people really say, like, I don't see race, I don't see color, I believe everybody is equal, all lives matter. Nah, all lives don't matter, right? You you have to trust, try to stop sugarcoating everything and make it seem like you are beyond racism because you're not. We all got a little bit of it in us because that's what we were bred to believe in. You know what I mean? The American way is the belief that, like my, 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 my friend said, cisgender, heterosexual, white men are at the top. From the moment you come out the womb, you are taught that. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to get to a place where you begin to say, like, okay, racism here exists. And what most people try to do is they try to root out racism while also trying to tell themselves that racism doesn't exist. Now, you can't have it both ways. You got to admit that racism not only exists, but racism exists in your home, racism exists in your personal life, racism exists in you. And start examining the ways, whether little, big or small, where you were actually a racist, where you were actually prejudiced, where you actually seen color. Once you begin to admit that to yourself, it becomes a lot easier to root those things out. But as long as you're trying to feign in this reality of like, oh, man, I don't see color. I'm not a racist. You know what I mean? That was it, it's crazy because my daughter called out one of her her friends and was like, hey, man, like, I need you to say something. You ain't got to say much, but I need you to at least acknowledge what's going on in my community. And the first thing that her friend said was, I'm not a racist. Well, that comment right there, anytime a white person say to you, I'm not a racist, you are a racist. You need to stop running away from the stigma of being known as a racist and embrace it, right? Because you trying to run away from racism means that you're also blind to it occurring in front of you. You're so busy trying not to be a racist that you don't see racism. But if you actually say like, oh, there is a possibility that I could have a little bit of racist in me, then all of a sudden you will begin to see racism will then allow you to root out racism. And, th- and, and for me, that's like being honest with ourselves and starting there is, is the key to actually trying to root it out of our communities. I, I can attest to, to what you're saying there, Ijoma, of not, not seeing it because you don't think it exists in yourself. You know, I grew up here in Fort Collins and uh, in a graduating class uh, of my high school of over 600 people, there were two black students. Um, I knew both of them, Um, but that was my exposure to the black community until I was nearly in my 20s. Um, I went to Atlanta once for a trip and got on the bus from the airport to the hotel I was staying at. And I looked around and realized I was the only white person on the bus. And I wasn't scared so much as I was surprised. I mean, there was no reason to be scared, but it was definitely a bit of a culture shock for me. And I thought, why do I have anxiety about this? There's no reason for me to, but I would never have seen it had I not had that experience. I love it. I love it. I swear I do. <laughs> so we've we've talked a little bit about the the wide aspects of this, um, which is very important. I think it's very important to look at the like the wide thing of uh, how we can support the communities. Uh, but I I really want to know like how can I support you three? Like because I care about each of you, uh, and I want to know how Chris and I very specifically, who have a platform where we um, we try to talk the talk, right, about 
about supporting minority communities. How can we walk the walk and give you uh, the the black community, the, the people in our lives that, that matter to us, how can we do that? And I want to hear this from all of you. Uh, so I, I think starting with Sid, because Sid's been super quiet for a little <laughs> bit, make you talk for a second if you want to, uh, but uh, kind of work our way around and really just like, how can we as NOCO FM and we as, uh, you know, white men, how we can support you? Well, part of the reason I've been quiet is there comes a point where as much as this is my fight for my family, based on previous conversations, you know, with the whole even protest thing, like, if we are going with the viewpoint of white people shouldn't be at the protests, if you saw me there, you'd be like, there's a white person at the protest. So... I'm in a little bit of that middle ground of like how much does my voice count in some of these arguments. Um, but also, Hey, I come from that. If you got a drop of black blood in you, you black. Well, and that's, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't want to have to carry around a picture of my dad holding me to like show that I'm half black, but quite honestly, I'm kind of in a position where I'm like, I also want to use a platform to help because this, is my family. I'm fighting for my cousin who's afraid to have a baby in this world. Like I'm fighting for my dad who's, you know, who's been told he lowers the property value. Like I, what? Oh my God. My, yeah. My, when my mom, you know, walked out that day, but she was told my dad couldn't be at her house because he lowered the property value. Um, but So for me, I am in a position where visually to strangers, I do have a little bit more of that kind of white platform where I don't think visually, I'm not the one who needs a lot of help and a lot of support because I am in a position where I can be more supportive to what the people who are going to blatantly face more discrimination than I am. So it, it's I waffled about even coming here tonight just because I it, it's not to like quote the Selena movie but like I'm not white but I'm not black enough to be black so I'm just I'm in the middle and I too want to help and I well and and that's why I feel like your voice is important Sid because there are tons of people out there who are in the exact same situation you are and are probably struggling with those same sorts of questions. Um, so I, I think it's, yeah, there's there's a dichotomy there that I, I can only imagine is, is very difficult to figure out, but I'm glad that you're here. So thank you. Well, and I'm very happy to be here and honestly listening to these perspectives, which it is, there's, these opinions are things that I never am personally going to face on first view. You know, I've had some slurs thrown at me by people who know me who are trying to hurt me, but I don't, I guess the short answer to that question is I don't think right now I'm the one who should be asking, who should be telling you how to support a community. It's just, I'm in the middle and I'm not on that extreme where I think I have the place to tell, to give advice on how you two specifically can help. Sure. That's understandable. Tara. Yeah. Um, I think that right now is the time for people to, um, 
start really thinking about who you're voting for um, and what they're going to be doing for black people, um, for queer people, for Latinx people. Um, it's time that we start thinking about more than ourselves. Um, so that's one thing that I think that everyone should be doing. Um, but I think that's something that, um, you know, y'all too can do, um, as well as, you know, you see a bail fund and you have extra money in this time. I know it's super difficult for everyone. Um, but if you do come across extra money, donate to some black organization, that way we can keep this movement going. Excellent. Um, and we'll put some of the um, different organizations who are in need um, up on the screen as well. Um, Ijoma, same question to you. Hey, man, I think y'all doing it. Uh, I think just by you all using your platform to have a diverse, have diverse voices speak, uh, the fact that you all were moved to have this conversation and open it up to your audience, right? Like, I think continuing to do those types of things and, 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 you know, really dedicating yourselves to those types of things is, is all where we can ask for. Right. Um, you have a, a, a sense of power in, in the sense that like you've created this platform and you get to decide what voices are on the platform and what voices aren't, you get to decide what conversations are had and which conversations aren't had. Um, and everything that I've seen, and know about you all is that you all, you know, are standing in the gap, making sure that voices that don't traditionally be heard get heard, right? And a conversation like this that people would traditionally shy away from and be uh, scared to have, right? You all are like, nah, we're gonna have this conversation, and we're gonna we're gonna change everything that we were supposed to do today to have this conversation. Like to me, like that's that's both the least and the most that I can ask of you. Is, is that you put your professional lives on the line so that our story gets heard, man. And, and for that, I'm eternally grateful. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, I mean, we, we try, but like, I know we can't, we're not doing enough. And that's why I'm asking. So stop like saying like, yeah, Charles, you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> I need to do more. I know I need to do more. But see, Charles, but see, Charles to me, that's where, that's where for me, I, I get upset with white folks. It's just that need to always want to do more. Like you got to know when to shut up and sit down. You know what I mean? You got to know when, you know what I'm saying? You've played your, your, your part in this particular fight, right? There are other fights for you to, to, you know, put your, your all in and do more in. But I feel like at, at the, at a certain point, too much involvement for you from you too much more from you dilutes the conversation right and so that's why i say like what y'all are doing for me from my perspective is enough right but doing more then becomes more about you and your particular needs and your particular fragility then it becomes about me and what i need and what i'm trying to do in this movement right that's why i say white ignorance and white fragility they hijacked the conversation and and it's not just you man it was like i was on a call today and we were having a dope ass conversation the folks of color on the conversation were like really like pouring their hearts out and then this white woman gets on the conversation and she starts crying about how she wants to do more and it hurts her heart that white people and it's like lady this is not a place for your tears right like it's not a place for you to talk right now how how are you gonna take the the platform the mic away from these young black and brown men and women of color 
right? As they're expressing their their hurt and their pain, but you feel the need so bad to say something that they don't get to speak right now. Like sometimes you gotta learn how to just swallow it and just be like, man, I wanna do more, but I can't. And so I'm gonna just be happy with the little bit that I am doing because I understand that it ain't my movement, it's their movement. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, we got a question in uh, in the Twitch chat, and this comes from RC2638. Uh, and they ask, not only can how can white people be supportive in our communities, but how can we be good friends during this time? So to each of you, kind of like, how can how could we be uh, quality, quality friends in your life uh, right now? I think that's the question that was asked. In my opinion, um, it's something that my friends have been doing a lot. Um, and it's just checking on me. Um, you know, in all of this, I feel like a lot of black people's mental health is being put on the back burner so we can get, you know, this movement going, get people involved, get people seeing the horrors that we see every day. Um, so a lot of my friends have been just asking me if I'm okay. Um, and you know, I'm not, <laughs> um, it's, it's a really difficult thing to sort of carry on your own and to have other people, um, you know, come alongside you and just make sure you're okay. Make sure you're taking care of yourself is, is a huge thing in my opinion, to be a good friend in this time. I swear I'm trying to say uh, nice things, but uh, I feel like this might come off not nice. No, that's fine like, not to be nice, man. I tell my white friends, like, don't say dumb shit to me. <laughs> like, don't, like, don't, don't, like, get on the phone and say something dumb where, like, now nah, I feel like I got to smack you around. Like, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a violent person at all, but it's just, like, the worst thing that a white person can do is just say something dumb and you just be, and I know, like, you probably, it's probably people in the audience like, what's, what's something dumb? Like, you say it out loud to yourself before you say it to me, and trust me, you'll know if it's dumb. Uh, the other part of it is this, um, you know, kind of what we were saying earlier, like, the worst thing to say in this moment to a black person, I feel like is, or to a black friend is like, I didn't know that this still existed. Or I'm sorry for my people. Like, don't I'm don't I didn't know this still existed me and don't I'm sorry for my people and like try to pretend like you get it man like nah you don't get it right you know what I mean like this is something that you may never get but what you can say to me is like hey I don't know what to say in this moment but if you ever want to talk I'm here for you you know what I mean and I, I think giving a person a friend the freedom to speak to you as opposed to you trying to force them to speak about something that they're going through is the best thing you can do because what it does is it acknowledges, it lets them know that you are aware of what's going on. You know what I mean? Like I don't expect for my white friends to know about what the conversation is and how I'm feeling. I do expect them to be aware of the conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you, you don't, you don't have to know what to say, but also don't be silent. You know what I mean? I know that, I know it seems like, you know, don't, don't say nothing stupid, you know, don't uh, come at me with the like, 
you know, sorry for my people or, you know, I know I'm saying a bunch of different things there, but like, it's a fine line. It's just like, bro, like I got uh, two lesbian friends. They took me to a, a rainbow conference in Washington, D.C. And like at the end of the conference, I was like, bro, like I just I don't even know what to say to y'all. But this was dope as fuck. Like, I'm not even going to try to have a conversation about what I just experienced because I know I'm going to fuck up and I don't want to fuck up. But I'm telling you that, like, I get it a little bit better today than I got it yesterday. And, like, when you want to talk, we can talk. But don't be too mad at me when I say some ignorant ass shit because I know I'm going to say some ignorant ass shit, right? And I feel like that's what I be wanting my white friends to do for me is just be like, I get it. I'm here. We can talk. I'm going to say something hella dumb. I'll try not to. But I'm also not going to try to, like, force you to have a conversation with me that you don't want to have with me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, what I'm hearing from you, I think it makes sense because it's like, you know, let me know that you're here from me, but don't patronize me, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's like Man, it's any group situation. So <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Seth. Yeah, I just like it's with anybody dealing with grief or if, you know, you have somebody who loses a parent, you're not it, you act the same way. You ask them, what can I do for you? What do you need right now? Don't you're not going to force them to constantly relive, relive this moment unless they want to. It's still it's a grieving situation. And I think if people kind of just to put it into context for something they've dealt with approach your black friends like you would somebody who is grieving any loss make it about them and their needs not you and what you need to feel better about yourself that makes a lot of sense you know because it's like you know i'm i'm not gonna run around and ask people are you okay because i imagine that no black person in the world is okay right now so that's kind of a kind of a silly question to ask. Same thing, like, you know, if, if someone close to you passes away, of course you're not okay. You're grieving. You know, it's like knowing where that tact fits goes a long way. Um, so I feel like we're running close to the end of the show here. Uh, we're getting close to the uh, 10 o'clock time. Um, is there any last things that you guys want to add? Anything that you want to plug? Uh, for for what you're doing currently that we can kind of, uh, as a community, our our listenership, the people who are listening to the show right now, how they can support you currently in your creative or uh, entrepreneurship endeavors and how can we support you that way? I think that's kind of a a good way to end this. Yeah, um, so as y'all heard earlier uh i am a drag performer in the northern colorado region i would love if y'all would give me a follow um at zamora on instagram um and i can spell that for you z-i-m-m-o-r-a-h um i do a lot of different types of drag um but i'm moving more in sort of a protest art sort of a direction so keep an eye out um, for that yeah Awesome. Ijoma? Yeah, you know, I was just going to say this week we talked to my daughter uh, about her experiences attending a protest on our show. And so 
Uh, if you didn't haven't tapped into two dudes and a chick, uh, please tap in and check out that sh- that episode in particular. Um, I think a lot of adults tend to uh, dominate conversations like this, and so to have a 15 year old like really kind of share her opinion and her experiences of, of going through this time. She for 40 minutes, she just blew me and my co-host away as she articulated her thoughts and her feelings and, you know, her goals as it relates to the protest. So tap in with that two dudes and a chick uh, and appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, I I listened to that episode this morning, Ajoma, and I got to say, you must have done some hella good parenting because I am astounded with how well-spoken she is at 15. I'm not that well-spoken now. Um, <laughs> and, and I was just kind of blown away with the level of like sophistication and, and the, the really mature place that she came from. So thank you for sharing that story. Cause uh, I think it's important and we do need to hear younger voices and, and what they're experiencing as well. Sid. You know, <laughs> talk and roll is really the only creative thing I've been doing lately and even that hasn't really been our last episode was just us hanging out for my birthday so I don't really have anything to plug on that front other than (laughs) talk and roll are are there any specials at Moe's we should tell the people about (laughs) Uh, we have fried chicken on Saturdays it is our most busy day we have uh, 55 cent wings on Wednesday nice and yeah and uh, are you guys you doing delivery as well or just takeout? Uh, we have delivery on like the third party apps, but uh, yeah, the patio's open, the dining room's open. We have beer, we have cocktails. I'm always there. So if you <laughs> want me to pour you a drink, I can do that. Yeah, when Charles <laughs> told me you were going to do this, I was like, is she going to do it from the restaurant? Because you're always there. <laughs> it was a high probability. I was ready to like set my phone up out on the patio. Nice. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think it's that's a good place to leave it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you to Tara. Thank you to Sydney. Thank you to Joma for joining us. Um, and thank you um, to those of us or those of you who've been watching and listening on NoCo FM. Um, we will do our best to get back to our normal silliness. We do this show every Monday at 9 p.m. Mountain, 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, on the app, on the stream, on Twitch, on YouTube, on Facebook. It's everywhere. Um, But we also do, as you've heard about, a number of other shows um, elsewhere available on this network that are wonderful. And you can check out all of that stuff at nocoat.fm. But uh, for Charles, this is Chris signing off. Thank you again so much, everyone, for watching and your questions and your comments. Thank you so, so much. It's important that we have this conversation and that we keep this conversation going. So until next time, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Strive to be better people. We'll see you next time.